Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to Speed City. What a fantastic F1 race. With the rain, with the spins. We got a new spin and win winner. (laughs) Danny, you got nothing on this boy. Max Verstappen, that's right. You know, you kind of forgot about that spin because it was way early in the race. But Max Verstappen wins... What's this, two out of three for Verstappen yeah, now? Am yeah, I right on that? Yep, yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're right. So he spun early in the race and you know, he got up on the curbs, the bottom of the car. But anyway, that that's just part of the story. What there there's so many things to talk about. Daniel Kvyat on the podium. How about that? Yeah, found your way. It's gonna be good. Going to be good. And as a brand new papa, apparently had I know, a overnight. daughter last night overnight. That's crazy. Oh, well, fantastic. yeah, fantastic. Right behind him, another surprise, Lance Stroll. Yeah. Admittedly, it was 52 card pickup, but uh, he's there. He's in the point. Solid. Well, that was that was a brilliant move by the his team. Lance Stroll. Oh, yeah. You know, came out how oh, that was a fantastic move to come out on the tires. And uh, and well, he what did he actually lead the race for just a second? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. He did. That was excellent. Everything about that just played out right for his. And uh, the thing that's crazy is how many pit stops. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to call it, see that, wasn't that much more exciting? Yes, it was the rain that caused that. But I think having that many pit stops throws in so much more strategy. Okay, so listen to the pit stops. Verstappen had five. In fact, the leaders, no, that's not is that, right. Is that so, like five-card Charlie and Blackjack I know, where you get five it. cards without breaking <laughs> Oh, so Verstappen had five, Vettel had five, Kvyat had four. I'm just going to read the number of pit stops. Five, five, three. Carlos Sainz only had three, which may be race low. Everybody else had four, five. Magnuson and Hamilton both had six. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Hey, Ricardo only had one. <laughs> yeah. So how many cars okay, did yeah, not finish? Six or seven? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, seven <laughs> cars did not finish the race. Oof, that was ugly. That, that was so, ugly. so as they went out, it was Perez, Ricardo, Norris, Leclerc, Hulkenberg, Botas, and Gasly. Wow. Yeah. You know, we weren't, even leading up to the race, we're like, is it going to rain? How, how bad is it going to be? And we got within about, what, 45 minutes and realized it was definitely going to be wet. Hey, you know, I think this is a record high finish for Williams in 12 and 13. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Uh, so, okay, at least for this season, right? Uh, you know, yeah, for this season. But Of course, everybody so, behind them was out. So Roman Grosjean, ninth, Magnuson, 10th. So they finished in the points. But if you look at who didn't finish, virtually almost every one of those would have finished ahead of them, or most of them would have finished ahead of them. So a 
as some kind of victory for the Haas team with double points. There you go. We'll take them. We'll take them however they come. Yeah, and you know, it's not a big. Unfortunately, it would be different if they were, if they had uh, gotten some research out of this. But I don't really think they got much research to solve the problems that they've been having. I think we need to ask Gunther, what is there on that car that's magnetic that keeps drawing our <laughs> drivers together? Hey. Don't get down on Gunther Steiner, because if you recall, you know, the big mess in the middle of the race happened when everybody started going on the soft tires. Right. Well, who was the who was the team principal to make that decision first? It was Gunther Steiner when he put Magnuson out on the softs, the very first driver. And then and then not long after that, Magnuson had his fastest first sector and then they started dumping him out. Yeah. OK, time is now. Let's go. But look where they wound up still. Ninth and tenth spot, yes, double points, minus the seven people that finished up in the garage instead. Ah, we're still back there in the back. Uh, but we in as in Haas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, Max Verstappen. Uh, he, he's but they're ahead of Hamilton. <laughs> they, they finished ahead of Hamilton. Holy spin! Yeah, yeah, that may be a first. But uh, but yeah, speaking of spin, so both Hamilton and Botas spun. Coming out of turn one, you could see the dry line, right? They're coming around. You could see the dry line. They put that left tire right there on the edge of that wet and boom, and spun. Uh, yeah, it, they really were. And, you know, there, it was uh, it was looking great. You know, poor Toto is ready to pull his hair out. Uh, <laughs> his uh, the, the reactions, it makes sure and look at these, the uh, setup for... The, the video and everything that was caught, uh, well, it was like, oh, man, he was ready for a temper tantrum. That's what they get for wearing those ridiculous outfits. No, sorry. So, uh, so yeah, Verstappen wins. Vettel, we didn't even talk about that yet, comes from last, from 20th to 2nd. Told you that was going to be the drive. I knew that guy would go through. And this time, he didn't do something that took himself out. Well, I was waiting. I kept. I said it I to know, you during it, the race. I was like, Vettel's going to make a mistake. He's going to make a mistake. And he did not. And to his credit, he did not. You know, I heard a really interesting theory. I think it was the BBC podcast, maybe Julian Palmer, an interesting theory on Vettel's mistakes. And mm-hmm. and it, it actually is pulling a little bit of the blame out of, him, out of Vettel, and that is that Vettel's making mistakes when he knows he's having to make up for deficiency in the car. Because several times, they, they went through several examples, I can't remember them, but I thought that was an interesting take on Vettel's mistakes. But let's, let's get back to today. So Verstappen, Vettel, then Daniel Kvyat, who uh, on the podium and had a, a baby last night overnight, so that's amazing. And then Lance Stroll, Carlos Sainz in fifth, Albon in sixth, Raikkonen in seventh, where was, where did he qualify? Fifth, right? So he fifth to seventh. And then another alpha car, Giovinazzi in eighth. Then Grosjean and Magnussen, nine, ten. Hamilton, 11. Kubica finished ahead of Russell for the first time. And that, my friends, is the end of the cars that finished. So, man, it was... Uh, Short it, list when seven of them go out. Yeah. Yeah, really amazing race, though. Really fun, really fun to watch. And that was a good one. That was a good one. I cannot recall the last time that Hamilton finished a race and didn't get points. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Pun intended. Taken. It, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen him go out with some failures, but I cannot recall 
that that's a yeah. big deal. He had a five second penalty through his cutting through the pit lane behind the ball uh, bollard. Uh, there was also a uh, one other four excessive slow pace uh, with the safety car situation, and yeah. so that is also a, an interesting take there. And you know the reason that they have that is that uh, you can go extra slow back in the field and impact somebody that you want to get further behind the leader or your teammate in this case. They want had they potentially had somebody behind them to keep behind Botas. Yeah. All right, if you want to call and join the conversation today, this show is your show too. So it's 512-643-5483 and we have a caller on the line. We have Thomas. Thomas Oh, it's, oh, okay. It's, hold on. We got it. We'll come back to Thomas. So, um, but, uh, but look, let, let's, uh, let's face it. This was weather related. I know that we've been harping on Formula One to get better racing, but you know, I give them credit that first of all, they do race in the rain, like some right. series don't, but it, it was start to finish. Never. You couldn't leave the room. You didn't want to. Uh, you don't want to miss a second of this race all the way through. Yeah, yeah, that was excellent. I mean, you know, I just glanced away trying to find some historic data and, and missed the Haas bumper car situation. But, uh, yeah, that it was uh, constantly busy, and uh, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we've been asking for. But, yes, all the way up and down the grid. Max Verstappen, you know, we talked about before the race how the Red Bull car has looked great lately with the upgrades. They've had some aerodynamic upgrades, some engine upgrades. And Verstappen, I mean, I know is a rain, rain-filled race, but with his talent and a good car, uh, you know, we've he's won two races now. And who knows for the rest of the season, we could get – we could see Red Bull battling. And, you know, this, this puts – um, Verstappen well ahead. Um, I say well ahead, but a, a big jump for him on the uh, on the drivers' championship too. So I mean, he's got a lead over Vettel, which Vettel you know Vettel finished right behind him. But but that's a good jump for for finishing first like that. So we'll check the constructor standings here in a bit. But what about you know? There's so many stories less. But to me, that, one of the things that I, that watching I was curious about was Stroll and K-Mag, they were really pushing. Uh, extent, I mean, I saw a couple of times during this race, yes, we can contribute some of this to the wet surface, but how many times that the car on the inside really did push, and I'm going to say excessively, to push the person out beyond course limits or, or right there at the edge. That... Uh, I think they were being gracious and allowing that to happen to that extreme. I I just have a tough time managing, okay, at what point are you really flagrantly pushing a driver offline, not just defending your space, but I mean just yeah. spiteful almost. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. I mean, we we all want good racing, and we all all want exciting racing. But there is definitely a point. I love somebody tweeted at us, and they said, "By the way, you can tweet us at Speedcaster." He said, "Best salesman to the in the world awarded to the guy who sold these German Grand Prix trophies, outrageous bowling trophies, Polish bowling trophies. <laughs> they look crazy. What what is that a picture of?" Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Don't know. 
don't know. Anyway, I'll comment on that one. <laughs> yeah, hey, the 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 the, uh, the trophy's weird looking, but there's um, Total Wolf. They've got him on television now in the suspenders and stuff. But I don't know. I kind of like the suspenders and tie thing. I, yeah, I guess so. But the uh, nice retro. But he definitely had face palms throughout the race with. You know, Hamilton's spin. You know, Hamilton wasn't the, I mean, Verstappen was the only one that spun and kept going. Hamilton did that, too. You know, there was a lot of things going on around Hamilton's pit stop. And, uh, you know, he needed a wing and he needed tires. They couldn't do that simultaneously because the jack point is actually on the nose of the car. And so without that nose there, they didn't have the jack point. And that was the first thing they had to put on before they could lift it and get to the tires. And so that's why it looked so... You know, so convoluted and confusing to begin with. Yeah, that was absolutely. All right. Well, you know what? We've got a caller on the line, and uh, let's go ahead and go to this caller. we got uh, Andy P. Andy, welcome to the show, buddy. Good morning, gentlemen. What a race that was. That was a fantastic race, yeah. wasn't it? Start. You, you guys said it perfectly. From start to finish, you could not look away from this. Um, so many different stories up and down, uh, the entirety of the grid, you know, Vettel from P20 to P2, um, Carlos Sainz spins out and recovers and manages to finish P5 with double points. Absolute craziness. This is why you watch. This is great. Yep. Absolutely. It was, it was really fun, Andy. And I know that, uh. I know you wanted to uh, – what, what happened to Lando Norris? I don't recall now. Uh, you pulled over, and they mentioned – they haven't – the team has not um, – at least I haven't seen any sort of explanation as to what happened, but it looked like something mechanical. Yeah. What about Leclerc and what happened – I mean, he had the – you know, at the time, it looked like, okay, he's moved into the into the lead, and he's going to be able to run away with this. And What do you think about what happened with Leclerc? Well, it all seemed like everyone was getting caught out by that one little section that was extremely, extremely wet, where I, I guess they have some sort of a drag strip next to the track. You're right. And all it was taking was a little bit of an off of the dry line. And once they got on that, that it was an absolute ice rink. Yeah. You know what, guys? I just saw a replay. I'd forgotten about this. There's so much that happened during the race. But, you know, remember when Hamilton went, uh, had, had a little spin and he had to go into the pits because he had damaged his front wing and he went around the bollard. But remember when he came in, that was a complete cluster for the Mercedes team. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, admittedly they didn't know they're going to have to replace the wing, but they had a tire issue. They they didn't have the guy ready to put on the right tire. The wing that took an incredibly long time. That was, I forgot about that one. Yeah, it just goes to show when you put some of these teams under pressure, you know, they're still human beings after all. I mean, you know, it's such an engineered sport, but. You throw enough random stuff at them, and, and, and you see something like that happen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, Andy, what else was your some of your favorite parts of the race? Uh, Got to hand it to Danny Kvyat, man. I mean, the, the guy being from out of Formula One to on the podium in his first year back. I had a chance to meet him when I was at Coda for um, what, the, the one race that he came back for. And he just looked so downtrodden, like, you know, going to go through the motions and everything. He was trying to, you know, you know, have a chin-up face. Really nice to see that happen. Really nice to see that happen for, for Toro Rosso, a midfield team that, that normally never gets a bite at this apple. 
I mean, you saw the guys celebrating in the pit lane. That's why everyone does this is for moments like that. Yeah, you know, that's really a good point because you remember uh, Kvyat was getting really grilled and just railed on for his the way he was driving when he was back in Formula 1 the first time. And this is a really cool story, actually, that he's come back and, and on the podium. And I heard some of the, I didn't really get to interact with Kvyat. Did you, Les, when he was here or even no, I when you not. were in Monaco last yep. time or anything? Right. Uh, no, I have not uh, got to deal with Kvyat. He's uh, one of those that's not as easy to approach. I'm glad you got to meet him, Andy. It's, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, he doesn't seem real open or, or quite honestly, I'm going to say more like he's shy. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Well, Andy, thanks for calling in, buddy. We got to go to a break. I'm glad you got to sit and watch this race today. It was amazing. We did too, and uh, we appreciate it, buddy. Take care, guys. Have a good one. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. Listen to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 1370. Hey! Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show. We are still basking in the glow of the German Grand Prix for Formula One. Rain-filled, spin-filled, crash-filled. Seven cars didn't finish the race. Man, what a uh, what a great race! Oops. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was really interesting, though. I think uh, it brought a lot more excitement than we had. You know, I, I'm going to say I called out a couple things. Uh, Max uh, was a great drive. Sebastian Vettel, twenty to two. How yeah. is that? Tons of great stories. But uh, we have a caller on the line and very excited to have this gentleman because he has a fantastic resume. He knows a thing or two. And knows a thing or two. We've got to ask his opinion about some, what happened today because we have Lamal winner, 24 Lamal winner, Price Cobb on the phone. Price, welcome to Speed City. Hey, guys. Thanks so very much for giving me a shot at visiting with you, particularly to air my happiness and displeasure with every race (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) uh well what'd you think of today well you know it's been a long time for me since i've seen something as exciting but even having said that at the same time guys it always 
just rubs me wrong when I see the advantages that people are given with the DRS. But we could talk about that later. <laughs> ah, there you go. That, that's a good topic. Price, you know, this was, uh, gosh, there was a lot of mental game when all the, the rain caused all the issues and everything. To me, that is, uh, that's one of the things that I don't feel as a parent. Drivers were freaking out. They're spinning out. They're hitting walls. They're making silly mistakes. Uh, I know you do a lot of coaching. What goes on to help stabilize drivers in, in the midst of this heated battle? Well, you know, it's never an easy one to cross. That line is tough because every human thinks differently. In other words, analyzes all the data. So even the three of us sitting in front of a computer or sitting together discussing how we can improve ourselves afterwards, uh, you know, the, the words resonate with each one of us differently. So to answer your question directly, it's very difficult. But my only question is to each one of these guys is, for example, the last corner onto the front straight. Well, it's obvious that people are falling off, and I would argue that some people fell off more than once there. So why in heck wouldn't you keep a little bit extra in your back pocket? Because we all agree that falling off is far more time loss than slowing down. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know – well, I was just going to say, Price, you know, how much – how many, how many times have you raced in the rain? I mean, it's got to be countless times, but in big pressure situations like like a Formula One race, did you race in the rain at Le Mans? Did you get any rain there? Or? Well, you know, yes. The answer is yes. And ironically, one of my first ever races was in Canada in a Formula Atlantic car. We'll, we'll get back to that possibly later. But at Le Mans, the difficulty there was always that, A, it was your paycheck, so you better behave, meaning do the best you can do. Meanwhile, you know, the track is so long, as most people will recall, that often it was raining in the worst possible place, but everywhere else was dry. So you had to be on a slick because no other intermediate or rain tire would survive a lap, much less several, at the speeds the cars could go. So I can't tell you how many times I questioned my sanity going down the Mulsanne on slicks uh, you know, in, in the era prior to um, the chicanes, you know, even even in the slow car it was north of 235, you know, and uh, you would just literally say out loud, am I truly getting paid enough to do this? Yeah. Well, of course, we agreed that, yes, as a punk <laughs> kid having bills back at home, you had to. <laughs> wow. Uh, so what do you think about the timing of the way, you know, because about what was it, about midway in the race when Haas F1 team put – Magnuson out on slicks. He was the first one to go out on the soft tire, and then everybody else started going out, and then everything, everybody started crashing after that, and we went, I don't know how many laps, without, we on the intermediates and then back. Did you, were you watching that strategy when Haas F1 did that? Well, absolutely, you know, and clearly when you're, you know, not in a position where you really wanted to be, you're going to gamble and make some choices based on some facts and some just roll the dice. So we, uh, or certainly myself, watching on TV, you know, and, and listening to, to some words being given about the, you know, the, the rainfall or the moisture coming out of the sky, which I couldn't see, you know, makes that decision to go on to slicks very difficult because we all know if the slicks don't warm up, then there's really little chance that they'll ever have grip. And even the softest slick, and I'm going to make a guess here, the softest, the red tire, is probably harder rubber than a tire, uh, the rain tire or the intermediate. So, so my hat's off to them. I probably would have done the same because if you call it right, you're a superstar. Yeah. If you call it wrong, well, you see what happens. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. Yeah, and if you're the Hasef one team, you know, what do you got to lose at that? You're under point? high scrutiny anyway, no matter. Well, yeah, but you can't breathe right. But uh, and you know, <laughs> and, and I noticed that uh, that right after they did that, he did have his fastest sector, and then everybody started dumping their their cars on to slicks because, like you said. Prices. Nobody knows really for sure what it's going to be like till they get that out there on the tires. How many times have we seen that? Is that they're kind of waiting for somebody to, to gamble or be brave enough to do it, and then they do it, and then they watch and go, okay, it's working for him, so everybody get on them. So, you, you know, in this era of data, 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 where we, have, we, we feel like it's totally scientific, it was completely the opposite. Everybody was just waiting to see what happened when he got out on the slicks. Of course, having lived, you know, I'm old enough to tell everybody out there that I'm one of the lucky ones. So I lived from before data through to today, meaning until we had data. I also lived through bias supply until radials. (laughs) So I've been pretty bloody lucky. Now, I love data. You know, it it certainly gives each one of us an opportunity to improve ourselves. Uh, But I I don't necessarily, and this is old me, so most people just nod their heads and and their eyes will roll up in their heads and say, well, you're just an old son of a buck and shut up. But I think it would be nice to take away some of the data, at least during the event, to to let the drivers make some of the decisions for Mm -hmm. themselves, as you saw today, because there was so much sort of blindness, if you will, of what do we do, what's going on, what's the interaction between the track surface and the tires themselves, Let's let the drivers do what we pay them the big bucks to do, and you see what happens. The race was spectacular, uh, and I can't tell you how much I enjoyed the race this go-round. That's an interesting thought. Um, you know, we've, we've yeah. been talking all about different ways to, to make the racing more exciting. And, you know, they had the experiment a couple of years ago where they took away radio communications, but taking away data... That that would be interesting. Okay, I, I'm thinking through this. Okay, I would be game for data being used after the race to teach the driver. Sure. This is what was going on. This is what we were seeing. You know, make these tweaks. How about this? Price, how about no telling them to shift modes or change modes in the race? You can't tell them to make the adjustments on their steering wheel. How about they just have to make those calls themselves? Well, um, Les, you guys, I agree with that 100%. Back to sort of my statement of I love data. So I don't want to take that away. That certainly is what made the breed better. I mean, across the board, drivers, cars, you know, people that have chosen the path in life to be, you know, on a Formula One team or any any racing for a while. You know, it's a great avenue for young, up-and-coming engineers. But having said that, you know, again, yes, Les, 100%. Don't do away with data. Just do away with sharing that with the drivers and, and basically coaching them uh, while they're driving. That makes me nuts. I agree. And yeah, I happen to have the chance to sit with you, watching you as you and uh, Dave Moore were coaching uh, Will Hardiman, one of the Porsche drivers, and I think he's an Audi now. It was amazing to me how much data you had about the what the car was doing, the response, all the positioning, as well as the uh, the the physical location of the car on the track. That I can see you sitting down with your driver after the race and reviewing that and saying, "This is what you know." Next time you're in that position, think about doing this, etc. I think that's the right thing to do so that next race it's the driver. I. I like the idea of team sports, yes, but I feel like it's uh, it kind of crossed that gray line wherever that is in us telling the driver what mode to put it in, what to make an adjustment. Oh, that sensor failed. Do failure B three, and <laughs> you know, etc. Uh, I'd love to see that approach to using data. 
I mean, again, I agree. Let's even ratchet it back a smidge. So a few years ago, the cars virtually drove themselves. Okay, I know I'm going to get flamed for that. <laughs> but, you know, they had traction control. They shifted themselves. They did all this stuff. So long as the car knew where it was on the track, like let's say you spun off, you re-educated, and from then on, short of you putting the brakes on, but even then they had ABS and everything else. It was a little bit silly, in my opinion. If it's truly the mixture of man and machine, well, let it be, let it let it be that way. I've preached all along to people that some of us aren't born with, you know, the athletic body of some of these, many of these superstars in stick and ball sports. And it doesn't even have to be stick and ball. Let's just say something where it's your body against the world. The neat thing about motorsports uh, is uh, that any one of us with the desire can become one with the machine, be it motorcycles, cars, you name it, and, and excel. But today, it's that, that gray area, less that the machine does so much of the thinking and or work for you that I just think it's a little silly. So, yeah, I agree with you. You know, pull back the data, pull back the, the two-way communications, at least the, the total open two-way communications about helping the driver. No question, safety involved. So I believe that you should be able to talk to people while they're on the track like, you know, Lester, John, watch out, you know, turn two, stay to the left. I think that's cool because we're not trying to hurt anybody. But beyond that, to each one of you's point, yes, pull it back. That's my opinion. Yeah. Hey, Price, can you hang with us through the break? Absolutely. All right, we got to take a break. Listen to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas, right back after a quick break. When we see a beautiful car pass by, we always seem to use a hand signal. The classic thumbs up, the point and shoot six gun finger, the hang loose thumb and pinky combo. If you've ever flashed one of those, now there's a car club for you. Introducing the Haggerty Drivers Club with exclusive members only events, insight on buying and selling, the Haggerty Magazine and roadside service. The Haggerty Drivers Club gives you a big thumbs up. So keep flashing those fingers. Same to you. Uh, just not that one. Join the Haggerty Drivers Club at Haggerty.com today. Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi guys, Romain Grosjean from Hasse Team, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Not a bad race for Roman Grosjean bringing us back from break there. Hey, we... Uh, we got Price Cobb on the line. Before I go back to you, Price, I want to mention something on Twitter. Austin in uh, in Austin, the German Grand Prix is the number one hashtag in in Austin right now. So we're moving the needle here in Austin, Texas. Uh, this little town of live music and South by Southwest and everything else. The uh, the racing is. You mean, uh, well, it's not football season. I mean, that's true. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Good point, Mr. Kaiser. <laughs> Uh, well, Price Cobb, I want to ask you about Max Verstappen. He's now won two of the last three, three races, and there's been talk of, you know, we're seeing the 
the best of a generation with Lewis Hamilton and maybe the best of the next generation with Max Verstappen. What do you think about this young driver? Well, I mean, clearly he is, if not uh, still the fastest rising star, no question he's going to lead the next group of superstars you know, to the podium. Um, I've always thought he was good. I, I used to be a little irritated with his young, impetuous choices, but the, the key being young. And, and clearly somewhere along the way, and I couldn't tell you an exact time frame, I'm too old to remember, but things changed in him, his, his thought process and his choices significantly. So you see him making so many fewer, you know, uh, unforced errors. So what can I tell you? I'm excited as I'll get out. And there's a few more of them coming along, like Charles Leclerc is the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fabulous. Yeah, and like Lando Norris, yes. not, some of these guys, it's going to be really, really you know, for a while there, it really was a bunch of the, the old guard. I'm going to call them now, even though I know these most of these guys are 35 and under. Right. But it it was uh, – but it's so exciting to see these young guys like this. And LeClaire made a mistake today. But, man, you know, everybody else I did. I thought he I was going to be in there. Yeah. But I think that when he made that mistake, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was on the slicks. I mean, and look, who made mistakes today? Everybody yeah. – I mean, even Max Verstappen spun the car and, and got lucky, and it spun 360 degrees, and he kept going. Yeah, new spin and win guy <laughs> there uh, at uh, Max to uh, Danny Sullivan's ranks yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, to win. well, you know, that's back to guys, my point of me personally, you know, all of us holding something in reserve, particularly in an area where you know is treacherous as all get out, because being a little bit careful, pays greater dividends or, or, or the loss of lap time in that instance pays more in the long run than making, you know, going bonsai in an area that, you know, uh, puts each one of us to the test And that last corner of the, of the lap of, you know, every lap is really tough. Hey, so I, along those lines, I want to ask about Hamilton's spin hitting the nose and then going behind the pit, pit Ballard. in Bollard there they wind up applying a five-second penalty to it. Uh, his altern- yeah, The alternative option was to drive completely around the course to come into the pit lane. Uh, not knowing what they would issue you, what would you tell your driver to drive the lap or take a cut across the bollard area? No, I, I clearly would have told him to do what happened. Now, now on the other side, I, I don't want to pull this discussion away, but... They needed to penalize him because if you're going to penalize Vettel for what happened in Canadian Grand Prix, yep. then you know here, here was something you would argue was totally out of his control. I don't care what they say. I've been in his shoes, Vettel's shoes before, and and we can also there's no doubt you know while that's happening, and we'll get back to this race, but while it's happening, Lewis is watching it happen and made a choice to put himself close to Vettel. So so that one was a struggle for me, but rules are rules. So this one, too, I appreciated that they stuck to their guns. I still would have told Lewis the same freaking thing because you never know what would have happened in that entire agonizing slow lap. That The potential danger for me as the team captain, let's say it was Toto or whomever, that, you know, that outweighed the potential penalty. But let me, let's visit about the penalty again really quick. It bothers me that he was given a five-second penalty, but he got to serve it during the race. That's ridiculous. So, so because of the race, the five seconds meant nothing. I mean, it didn't matter that he sat in the pits and there's a bunch of yellows came out and it was all negated. To me, if you're going to give someone a penalty, if you're making that choice, it needs to matter at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah. 
So what did you think about, speaking of penalties, what did you think about the way they treated the other penalty when uh, during the race they they didn't give a time penalty for it was Leclerc coming out of the pits, the right. unsafe release Grosjean. on yeah. Grosjean. What did you think about that, where they didn't penalize the driver, but they penalized the financial part of the team? Well, again, that one's uh, double-edged, and I'll tell you a story about K.K. Rosberg uh, as we move forward. It's so, uh, And you all remember K.K. Your, your young our yep. audience won't remember who the heck he is, but we'll get back to that. Nico's it dead. was the right choice, in my opinion, because it's not, you know, Charles is under orders from somebody in his pit crew to leave. He can't see what's happening. So, so penalizing the driver, to me, is ridiculous. And so I think for the first time ever, it was the right choice. And, okay, Ever's a little strong, but I thought it was the right choice. Penalize the team for a poor choice. Now, in F1, really, unless the, unless the penalty is staggering, what's a few dollars? So now I'll give you all the backstory that's making me grin about K.K. Rosberg. We were racing in Canada, and K.K. used to uh, jump the starts spectacularly. And, uh, and, that, and the reason he would do that, and he was making the right choice, is because when we discussed it in the driver's meeting a couple races earlier, they would just impose, like, I'm going to make it up, or two or $3,000 fine. And K.K. looked at us, and, you know, myself and Bobby Rahal and several other you know, kooks that were racing at the time, and uh, me being the kook, and uh, we all looked at each other and said, why wouldn't you jump it if that's all they're going to penalize you? <laughs> so back to Ferrari or any of those big teams, really? How much can you impose on them to matter other than penalizing the driver? But I still say... I like the outcome. They probably reached in their pocket and said, you want that now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or it's like KK, and we all joked about it. He goes, how about we all just prepay the fine so we can do whatever we want? And we all said, I'm in. <laughs> uh, there you go. Hmm, that's probably not what they were thinking at the time. No, that's exactly Oops. right, Les. Uh, well, if you just joined us, you're listening to 24 Le Mans winner Price Cobb. And Price, I, I know that you had a lot more in your career, and, and I could we could probably go on and on, but... Just to suffice it to say that we're listening to a badass, and he knows what he's talking about. So uh, we do appreciate your uh, your input today, Price. Also, you know you've done all sorts of things in your career. What do you what are you doing these days? Well, it's, uh, you know, interesting that you ask because you know I've tried to retire June fourteenth. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a happy uh, bouncing around the walls in the house person. I'm sure my wife encouraged me to go do something else. But earlier we were talking about grip and tires and so on and so forth. So ironically, my wife, still in racing, rents tracks all the time. Uh, Tracks today are so expensive to rent that you tend to share that with other teams. Uh, Let's just use Coda, for example. Nobody wants to write that check because it's relatively large today. (laughs) So in a test, there's no one there to change tires. But in race weekends, you know, you could see Michelin, Goodyear, Yokohama, Pirelli. I mean, name it, the gamut of people, Hankook. Um, so in a test, you need someone there with all the teams. There's many tires to be changed. So my wife found these guys out of Charlotte that had a mobile tire-changing company. Uh, Eighteen months later, we kept uh, suggesting that they franchise. And a lot of it was because of them. Really neat. Two guys, two brothers, really neat guys. It's a great idea. Great show. We thought, it, how cool is it called Trade Connection? Because at the end of the day, you know, my whole life, we could argue, was successful because of my ability to, to work with the Goodyear engineers, which is where most of my victories came from, and, and, and literally work with the physical Tread Connection. So if you can get your tires to work the best on the track surface in any form of racing, 
you're going to be the, the winner every time. Anyway, ratchet forward to today. When they heard I retired June 14th, uh, the guys from Tread Connection called me up and says, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? I think my wife looked at me, nodded, yeah, 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 just to keep, keep you out of the house. <laughs> yeah. I, I She's now a own smart the franchise, <laughs> and their deal is growing rapidly. But you know what? It keeps me in the cars. So the franchise for me is in Austin, Texas. It's literally, you know, I come to you. You tell me when, where, and how. I bring you the tires of your choice. And, and, you know, we had a friend going golfing the other day, got a flat tire. Um, you know, I had my buddy in Dallas run new tires out to him. He never stopped swinging the golf club, yet the <laughs> tires were changed on his car. That's the point. But anyway, that's it. I'm just keeping myself in the car world. Just so happens I'm, I'm changing tires. I, I've tested tires all my life. It's a lot of fun. Well, oh, Price, that's, that's awesome. I rolled up to the studio this morning, and, and you know, uh, I was in the family truckster. <laughs> Usually, you know, John's in his silver wagon, and it, there was something different. There was a V-Series sitting there now. <laughs> and I just got to imagine, uh, he's going to be calling you for tires. You can arrange and do it, like, during our show so he doesn't miss out on, you know, accelerator time. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, again, I you know, you know how funny it is, guys. We've all... Uh, suffered the uh, going to the uh, brick and mortar and dealt with that. And it's always a waste of your life and time. So until I convince others, and like sounds like Jonathan's a good one to convince, you don't have to stop doing what you're doing. We show up. We, we do the change. You know, Bob's your uncle. Everything's good. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. That's right. Yeah. Fanny's your auntie. <laughs> uh, well, Price, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and I, I love your insights on this, having someone who's been there, done that at the highest level. We really appreciate it. And uh, and we'll see you around town for sure. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on and and, and wonderful race. And keep up what y'all are doing. It, it it pleases me, if if you will. All right. All right. All right take man. care, buddy. Thanks, All Price. Yeah. Bye bye. Yeah, amazing driver in his day, and love to get his insights on what's going on. That's I love. I mean, so uh, you know, he is one of those coaches that is brought in for that uh, that third eye on a driver, and really looking at different things and critiques. He knows Coda really well. Uh, he lets me sit in and listen to what he's doing with his drivers that are here. And it's really, really interesting. Data is crucial nowadays. And he will sit there with the data graphs on screen with his driver and explain, you know, where you are on the track. This is what we were seeing in the data. We think you left some time in this, in this turn. You can collect time in that turn by going up two turns earlier and doing that turn different to make it materialize later really a phenomenal resource for that kind of information. I'd love sitting there watching what he, how he coaches them and how he picks up something that you're looking at turn eight. How can I get faster through there? Well, look back at turn six, do this over here. And it comes through. It's so neat because it almost seems hocus pocus, but then it happens. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, and I agree with what he's saying that you, yeah, I like his idea about limiting data and whatever during the race but and not completely though. There's no way data has sure. changed motorsports dramatically, and I think for the for the good. But but maybe there is something you could play with there. And I do love the, all these discussions about how to make motorsport better and and more fun to watch and interesting. But but data is such a, a huge part of it. It's never going to go away. You don't. Right. It, I don't want it to. But I just thought that might be interesting. I don't know what I don't know what the solution would be with that. But just like every industry now, yeah. Where, where do you draw that line? You know, I like to draw the line. Well, on on the side of the line that you can't communicate, I'd like to say, you know, Seb, no two one, 
you know, yeah. <laughs> mode two one. Can't say that anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going go to, to go to break. But before we do, I just want to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Formula One's eSports program next. As we just had a gentleman join us in the studio. Not Formula E. At not Formula E, eSports, the online gaming, etc. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. We spend an average of 8 hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. For people who love cars. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show. Basking again in the German Grand Prix. Amazing race today. We've had several good races now. Formula One. It's been exciting. To, you know, it's, it's funny. Right after we talked about how bad it was, we've had multiple good races here. To, to, yeah, uh, and I, I think there's uh, yeah, some of it was just circumstances because they really haven't changed anything in the rules. I think it's uh, some of the courses we're on. You know, the weather certainly contributed today. Uh, the weather, and I will say the weather over the past three days, going from 102 degrees to what we saw today, they had they did not have a firm handle on racing today. Yeah. Well, hi. We've got we are joined in studio by our next guest, and if you've been paying attention to Formula One's digital, whether it's their website, their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, whatever, you noticed during the off week it was all about their esports draft. And in fact, there were days when their social and their website were dominated by all of this. And it got me fascinated by all this. And I, I was talking to Thomas uh, last week, and we decided to get him on the show and talk about this because we have Thomas Rule in the studio, and he's an esports expert. He runs his own agency here in Austin, Texas, Everything Esports. He's worked for some of the top teams, top organizations. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Well, well I, we, I want to talk to you immediately because one of the big things was is that we talked about what's, what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And I want you to jump into that because we just got about 10 minutes here. Right. Uh, so basically, the reason why everyone's in esports right now, uh, going to be a billion-dollar revenue industry. F1's seen the numbers, uh, huge global viewership numbers. Um, well, I'm not a gamer, so help me understand that piece. So an esport, not a sport. Uh, all lowercase letters. Don't ever capitalize the S. You'll look stupid. 
<laughs> um, basically, it's competitive video gaming uh, with uh, prize pools right now for tournaments are in the multi-million dollars. There's a $30 wow. million dollar, uh, tournament going on in China in a month. Um, wow. <laughs> it's just crazy because people are seeing the Im- massive amounts of eyeballs that watch this sort of thing. And so is F1. F1 has, uh, last year, they put $200,000 into their esports prize pool, and that's just payouts. That's not including all the cost to, uh, to organize tournaments, to fly in people, to get all their teams involved like they've just done. Uh, they've increased that by 300000 this year to $500,000. Uh, they are really trying to incentivize people into watching and playing. You only increase your prize pool if you want more viewership numbers. Wow. That's big numbers. That's real numbers. That's... And, and you know, the real money, real effort on their social media, on their website, and going after this next generation of audience, because that's where they are. That's where that's where that generation is. And I'm just wondering, is that audience ties into, uh, you know, because I don't know how much audience there is actually playing the games and, and how many games are that we talked a little bit about this, Thomas, where, you know, there's the F1 game itself. And then there's games like Forza and some of the other racing games, but but I don't, you know, my son's a gamer and so, right. but I and he but he doesn't play car racing games, but that audience doesn't seem that big compared to the Call of Duties and all of that. Right, it's going to be a, the racing audience is going to be a lot uh, smaller, uh, and that's basically because uh, the, it's very realistic and it's like realistic uh, simulator. <laughs> Uh, but when people watch people play games, it's like watching sports. It's like watching an F1 race. You see Lewis Hamilton driving, and you're like, man, I could never drive like that in 30 years, even if I spent the whole every day trying. It's the kind of the same concept in esports, where you see someone play a game, and he does something in the game or tournament where you're just like, man, I could never do that. Uh, F1 in their esport, it's kind of hard to see that skill cap where it comes in. Um, it's not as obvious, and I think that's the game design and in racing and uh, other like sports esports. So that's some of the challenges they face in terms of game design and getting that engagement going. Well, we talked about some of the things they're doing right, throwing big money at it right. and promoting on their social, but pres- some, some pres- of the things that they're not doing right also. Right. Um, so basically, in esports, fan engagement is really important. Um, it's just how the, uh, word of mouth is how the communities grow. Local tournaments are how it happens. Uh, there, there's a social kind of social media for gamers called discord <laughs> and F1. And it's kind of like Skype for, for gamers too, right? For each platform. Yeah. It, almost like Reddit too, where they post stuff. Um, it's kind of an oversimple um, oversimplifying it a bit. It's valued at like $12 billion right now. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) that's the numbers in esports now they're all that way (laughs) um but f1 has throughout it maybe 400 members throughout all the channels um that's like saying they have like 400 followers on twitter uh that's uh they gotta do something there to get their engagement going because that's how small smaller tournaments happen and the, the third party organization just isn't there um that that's also could be a potential revenue for f1 and their sponsors that they're leaving on the table there you know we're talking about discord because uh, i watch my son as a gamer and if he's playing call of duty he'll get on the discord server for call of duty if he's playing Fortnite, he'll he'll move to that discord server and so because that, that way he can communicate with the whole community whether it's a chat or a uh, a message typing it on the keyboard so and you can share messages and you can share videos and links and all these things through there. So that's how the each community communicates. But apparently F1 doesn't even have its own Discord server. No. 
Uh, it does not have, they don't have their own official Discord server. They also don't have uh, any entries on Liquipedia. That's the largest esports site for whenever tournaments are going on. Liqu- not, what's it called? Liquipedia.com. <laughs> it's owned by uh, Team Liquid. Uh, I think they're worth $2 billion right now, backed by the owners of the Golden State Warriors, Michael Jordan, Tony Robbins, Magic Johnson. I'm showing my age. Yeah. Every time you throw out a billion dollar yeah. thing about a gaming console, you know, environment, I it just I just have to scoff. I mean, I was in NASA last year with the Ducati Motor GP team and I got to see their VR reality. And it's like, okay, if you said million dollars around something like that, I'd get it. And I'm just like, I'm clearly missing the value of esports. Right. And it's uh eyeballs. The eyeballs just keep growing and it's global, easy access. That's why. Uh, it's not just me saying this, Goldman Sachs, if you go on Goldman Sachs and search esports, they'll have all kinds of numbers for you. They'll have a video of one of them going to an esports team. Um, so it's, it's really just wow. great. Uh, F1's presentation, by the way, is top-notch in their esports. I think they're killing it in that. It looks very professional, very clean. It ties into their brand. Um, and I think it's great that they've gotten all 10 of their teams involved Yeah, as well. Yeah, I, and I'm assuming... There, it seems like they're requiring it because every mm-hmm. I, I didn't really look carefully at Ferrari or Mercedes, but I'm assuming that that every team is involved because and I and I'm assuming every team's also being smart, going, hey, they all want to reach a young American audience, you know, where that that is the holy grail, reaching right. a young young male audience, which you know the the age of gamers is now probably what you know the the average age is rising and rising. It's probably mm-hmm. there's plenty of gamers in the th- in their 30s now gaming. Definitely. And some probably even older. So it's it's really fascinating to watch this because uh, I think my big point in all of this is that they're doing some things really right, but they're not getting it all right. And they've got to get that that not having a Discord server is one of those really fundamentals where they've dropped the ball and they need to, to fix those things. And, you know, we had uh, we had Connor Daly. He's a, an American race driver. He's racing in Indy right now. We had him on the show. And I grabbed some clips from his Twitch gaming and we're playing him on the air and he's got a really big following and he himself has decided without the help of indy just as a driver to use that platform to help raise his profile and and he'll play with anybody i mean this is so you can play a racing game with an indy car driver in connor daly and i'm certain there's an alexander rossi does it too actually you know indy 500 winner and current secondly in the in the indy car championship so there's some guys that are doing it on their own, but is, F1 is trying to do it. Is right. esports truly a global market? How yes. is it proportionally around the world? I mean, we're Good obviously question. interested in the U.S. Yeah, you're seeing uh, U.S. has big numbers too. Uh, we're seeing China has their own esports town they constructed for eight billion dollars. There's going to be a giant <laughs> like think of the Strip in Vegas. But oh like, yeah, um, it's wow. also he- really huge in Russia. Russia. Russian people love their uh, gaming computers there. United States, massive as well. Um, it could also be a way, increasing their esports audience as a way to, for F1 to get that North American audience on board too, if they can get more engagement in this. And there's even less opening up in like the next few weeks, an esports bar, restaurant, whatever, here in Austin, downtown. So, I mean, this is how big this is getting. And and, you know, virtually it's the money is insane, like he's been talking about, but it's getting so pervasive that, it, you know, they're, they're moving into brick and mortar, you know, some from out of the virtual world. Uh, I, I just Googled that, uh, the China building the billion dollar esports city in Hangzhou. Hangzhou, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wow. 
I, I mean, I'm seriously, I, I have next to zero interest in gaming, but this is changing it for me, to be I, quite honest. I want to, I still don't have it. I've been saying that I want to have the F1 game just to help learn the tracks. You know, I want to be yeah. prepared for every race. And uh, and apparently the F1 game itself doesn't require tons and tons of hardware. And and, and uh, Connor Daly, when he was on, he was saying, you know, some of the guys are saying, you know, I was thinking, well, I need to get a rig. Do I get mm-hmm. a chair and the pedals and the steering wheel? <laughs> And he was like, no, I just use an Xbox controller on his PC because it's compatible just through USB. And But that's all I really want. Yeah. I just want to learn. I, don't, I know I'm not going to become the best gamer. Well, guys, we are out of time. Thomas, uh, how do people find you on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Twitch or wherever? <laughs> uh, shoot me an email, actually. I've, I kind of stay off social media a little bit. <laughs> uh, Thomas at everything-esports.com is the best way to reach me. All right. Thank well, you. thank you that for the awesome. insights. It's really fascinating to see what uh, what's right. going to happen with this. But. I'm taking my homework. I'm going to go investigate more about esports. All right. Well, well, thanks everybody for for tuning in today. We appreciate it. Check us out on the website speedcitybroadcast.com. We have lots of content up there, and our we have we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and the rest. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.